Hello and welcome to another episode of Chatting with Charlie. Today's episode is going to be about body image, um, some of the troubles that we might have with our own bodies. Um, I do want to offer a brief trigger warning here at the beginning. Um, talking of body image, I will sort of um, briefly mention eating disorders, disordered eating behavior. I'll try to not get into any specifics. Um, it's not going to be great stories about eating disorders, but in case that is something that you don't want to hear right now, then feel free to skip this episode. I thought I'd start with a personal story. Um, This was a really uncomfortable experience that I had when I was really, really young. I was at a supermarket with my best friend at the time. Um, And we were walking around and, you know, (laughs) we were happy that our mum, I think it was her mum, was, I don't know, getting getting the bread or something so we were going through the supermarket on our own and then suddenly this old guy comes up to me and he pokes me in the stomach and he goes what's that and I think maybe he's talking about my t-shirt or something and I say I don't know what is there and he says your fat stomach and this was when I was really really little and experiences like this they stay with you if you want them to or not um, and then as I got older, I was bullied quite a lot in primary school. Um, and, you know, I was always the slightly weird kid. I was always sort of eccentric and very much me. But um, it's easier to bully someone for their physical appearance. Um, and I was always bullied for not being thin. I was never thin. I wasn't a thin child Um, I wasn't a thin teenager and I'm not thin now and this was something that you know as children we don't really think about these things but then we become socialized to experience these comments and also the way we perceive ourselves in an incredibly uncomfortable way and I share these stories of being uncomfortable because I think we need to talk about where this comes from and what makes us feel uncomfortable. Um, maybe another sort of anecdote before we start is um, I have um, probably have endometriosis, um, which is a condition that many people with uteruses have, where the endometrium, which is um, one of the layers of your Um, of your uterus grows not just inside your uterus but sort of grows wherever it wants to go it sort of (laughs) goes on an adventure Um, and this can cause very painful menstruation um, can cause lots of issues and it's all in all not great Um, and I went to a doctor about this and she told me um you need to lose at least 15 kilos because I can't even see your organs. And the way she said this to me, um, it hurt me a lot because at this time I was already struggling with my my body image and the way I looked and I didn't feel worthy and I didn't feel like I deserved to be loved or to be found beautiful. Um, 
And this, this incident sort of leads me to the first topic that I want to talk about, which is health at every size. This is a topic that is, or actually a movement that's severely misunderstood. It's something that I've heard be dismissed by healthcare professionals um, and also by, you know, people in my surroundings because they misunderstand what it is. And I think talking about health at every size will lead us into all of the other discussions that I want to be having. So the health at every size movement says that you can be healthy within different body types and that your body and the amount of fat you have on your body and all of these things is not the one factor that decides health, that decides about health and that we should focus on health behaviours rather than weight loss behaviours. And what it also says is, you know, we should be looking at the problems and the symptoms before we should look at someone's weight. And this doesn't sound <laughs> that radical when you say it like this, but this is something that is done very often. Um, I've been fat shamed within medical contexts very, very frequently. This is something that has happened to me um, at all sorts of doctors. And this, this shouldn't be relevant. Um, but maybe because before people do say, oh, I'm promoting obesity, which is something that I will talk about in a minute, just for reference, I'm about 165 centimetres and I weigh just under 70 kilos. So in the BMI range, that puts me at severely overweight, but I do a lot of sport and I have a lot of muscles and... Um, <laughs> Yeah, kind of shows you that BMI uh, doesn't doesn't say everything. And I've had this before that doctors have said nothing about my my weight until they've suddenly seen the number in my charts, and then they've been like, "Oh, you're too fat." And I've thought, "Well, you just looked at me, and you haven't thought I was too fat until you saw that number." And this notion of promoting obesity <laughs> kind of leads back to the health at every size thing. Um, health at every size isn't saying that there aren't conditions that are more common within people who have a higher body weight or within people who are fat. Fat isn't a bad word. Fat isn't an insult. It's, you know, just a fact. Um, and no one is denying this. Um, no one is denying that, you know, there are some conditions that are more common if you have higher body fat. But this is not as easy as it may seem. So if we look at the statistics, if we look at the demographics, which people are more likely to be fat? And we see it's very often... Um, so if we look at BMI as what it was supposed to be, a measure of a population. If we look at sort of the average um, weight height proportions in a population, then we see that we have countries with a um, with maybe less good economic conditions, poorer countries, countries 
who have suffered under the reign of other countries, <clears throat> Britain, um, <laughs> but also um, on an individual level, it's much more common in people who have come from a lower um, socioeconomic background. It's rarely your um, highly educated rich people who are sort of statistically um, overweight or obese. And this is, I don't want to say interesting because that sounds as if I'm using people as a case study, but maybe it's relevant for this discussion uh, if we see that there is a strong correlation between how much money do you have and what is your life like, uh, what can you afford and what is your body like. And so we have these marginalised bodies, fat bodies, who um, appear in marginalised people, in poor people, in people who are already being treated like crap by society as a whole. So we have these people who have uh, often worse living conditions, who have less access to nutritionally dense food, who have less time, less energy to engage in physical activities, who have higher stress levels. We can even measure this. Um, we can measure these stress levels. We can measure certain hormones. And so we have these people who have all of these sort of negative, um, more difficult starting points and then we see that they have illnesses in, in higher frequencies such as um, type 2 diabetes and um, yeah, insulin resistant, resistance, um, all sorts of comorbidities. And then it's very quick to say, well, this is because they are fat. And we know um, that body weight does play a role here, but the solution is, well, just lose weight then. That's, you know, that's what you're told to do by doctors. You're told just lose weight. And we've just been through all of these extra difficulties that people have. Sort of, you have a completely different starting point and you already have more difficult, um, a more difficult baseline. And then you're told, well, just lose weight. Um, and this isn't really very helpful. And that's why it's more important. That's why it's so important to look at these things in more detail. And now back to health at every size. Health at every size isn't saying, well, here we have um, a person who has type 2 diabetes, who has a very sedentary lifestyle, whatever. And they don't say, oh, well, this person's healthy, whatever. That's not what health at every size is about. But what this what this movement is about is saying, okay, so we see a person, this person has come to us with problems, how can we treat them holistically? And this is something that is incredibly important because diets fail, most diets fail. Just the fact that you say, oh, well, I'm doing this and that diet because it worked for me last time proves that it doesn't. If we are defining a diet as succeeding by losing weight, then if you gain it all back, then the diet has failed. Diets are also often a slippery slope leading to eating disorders or at least disordered eating behavior. And then sending someone who has um, 
no resources, or not no resources, but maybe less resources, higher stress levels, etc. Telling them, well, just go on a diet, just lose weight, and everything will be fine. As you can probably imagine, this isn't actually very helpful. Well, if we were to look at this from an ideal health at every size perspective, we would say, okay, we are focusing on health-promoting behaviours. We know, for example, eating more fibre, which we find in fruits and vegetables and whole grains, that is something that improves health. Physical activity improves health. Lower stress levels, reducing stress, working on that, working on your mental health is health-promoting. Um... What else? I'm sure there's more. Uh, Did I mention physical activity, you know, is good for your health? All of these things are health-promoting behaviours. And if we focus on these instead of just telling someone to lose weight, then on the one hand, you know, chances are that you probably will lose some weight, but also you are actually holistically healthier. You are healthier as a whole, which should be the goal. But unfortunately, that's not the way our system works, because as I said, um, you know, we need to monitor stress, we need to find time to engage in activity, eat more fruits and vegetables. All of these things either take time or cost money. And if you have over-proportionately or disproportionately more people who already can't afford to do these things, it's again you know, not very helpful to say, well, just just do these health-promoting behaviours. And that's why it's important to integrate these systems as a whole, you know, as a societal level, and also to teach and educate about the importance of these, um, these behaviours. So back to the fibre, for example. Fibre is one of the... Um, the best uh, ways to reduce your risk for some cancers. It's the one best, single best thing that you can do to reduce your risk. And if we educate about these things and actually focus on health rather than just weight loss, it can make these things sort of more appealing. But as I've just said, as it comes down to so many topics that we talk about, it comes down to structural inequality, which is why every single fight needs to be intersectional. And you see here, it's not actually anywhere as easy as it may be at the beginning. And that's the thing, so with Hayes, with health at every size, um... It's about treating these things holistically and also about seeing someone as an individual and seeing not just someone, you know, as a number on a scale because fat shaming people doesn't help. Fat shaming people doesn't make them lose weight. Fat shaming people doesn't make anyone happier or healthier or do anything apart from make them miserable and it doesn't help on a societal level. And I talked about this education, and this is something that if we go away from illness and just sort of onto everyday living, uh, something that we need much more of. So I began telling you that I have never been a thin person, not because I want you to have some sort of preconceived opinion about me, uh, but because it sort of sets the picture, it sets the story. 
My girlfriend is fairly small. She is very lean. She is, she has a really high metabolism. She can eat and eat and eat and she stays thin. It's just the way she is. Um, we eat basically virtually the same thing. And I mean, yes, I work out more than her, but I weigh significantly more than her. And this is something that's really important to see. So everyone, um, if everyone ate the same and exercise the same they still wouldn't look the same there are genetic uh, variations where you um, are more likely to hold on to um, where you're more able to hold on to extra calories and where you're able to build up fat more quickly which now in <laughs> in a society where we don't really want this is seen as something very negative but in an evolutionary background it was very helpful it was a very helpful thing to not starve you know that is um <laughs> something that helps a lot. But why did I mention what my girlfriend looks like? Well, because she has never suffered any of this stigma, um, and she also comes from a background where diet talk and all of these things were much less present than they have been in my life, she lacks a certain embarrassment that I feel. I feel really insecure if people see me eating, particularly if they see me eating something that they may deem unhealthy. And that's why I spent a long time not eating unhealthy things in others, because I wanted to pretend that I was this incredibly healthy person, whatever that means. Um, I was this person who took care of themselves and who was doing everything they could to lose weight, because weight loss, that was the one thing that I saw as being a sign of being healthy and if you take someone who has maybe an even larger body that an even larger body than mine and my girlfriend and write and they write the same posts on instagram uh let's say that they both post a picture of themselves eating a burger or a piece of cake or whatever then my girlfriend will probably get yes yeah, skinny queen which is something that i have heard yes skinny queen and the other person will be told oh you're not taking your care of yourself and you don't care about your health and they'll be penalized and judged and I always felt like that was me I always felt like people would think that I'm not trying hard enough and this vision this image of trying hard enough is something that we see everywhere it's something that diet culture adores they adore to tell you they being <laughs> diet culture <laughs> it adores to tell you you have to do everything perfectly and then we have this preconceived idea of what perfect is and this preconceived idea of perfect it's not really based in science or anything it's sort of based off of what's fashionable and what can corporations make money with basically that is it um, that is how these things <laughs> become so big if you can make money off it then it will probably be trendy at some stage and now this is where the huge problem starts we feel like we have to do everything perfectly without knowing what perfect actually means and because everyone only talks about what they do perfectly we don't talk about what we do imperfectly <laughs> And I posted a picture the other day of me 
in a bikini and it was a candid picture so I wasn't posing, I wasn't um, sucking in my tummy, I wasn't, I don't know, trying to look as thin as possible. So, you know, you could see um, some lines or some bulges or I don't know. And my first instinct was, oh my gosh, I hate this picture, I need to delete it. And then I started thinking to myself, but why do I hate it so much? What is so bad about this picture? And then I actually posted it in my Instagram story and started talking to other people um, about this topic. And I think about 10 people wrote to me and said they hate swimming because they feel so bad in their body and they don't like what they see and they're scared of what other people will say or will think about their bodies. So when I actually started talking to people, I realized and I saw that this was actually a really, really, really common problem and something that many of us share, um, an, an issue that many of us share. But because we don't want to be judged and we want everyone to think that we're always doing everything right, we don't really talk about these these potential struggles that we may have. And we most definitely sort of don't show people the behaviours that we engage in that we don't believe are perfect. So that means, you know, um, sharing the workout pick, but either not allowing yourself any balance or definitely not posting it. Or we have the other extreme where we glorify alcohol and drinking and where people in certain body types, um, you know, they're allowed to post all of this food that they eat and it's sort of funny and we see it as something endearing because look, they have the perfect body and they still eat all of these quote-unquote unhealthy foods. And the more you get into this um, idea of having to be either perfect or extreme, um, doing these things that you feel society expects from you, the more pressure you put onto yourself and the worse it sort of feels um, if you think that you failed. And what does this have to do with me and my story? Well, because I'm not skinny, I always feel like other people aren't allowed to see me do things that take me away from society's goal of being skinny. So posting the workout picture is fine, or the healthy food is fine, but the unhealthy food or the day where you take a break, I feel like people are going to look at it and people will judge me and people will think, oh, well, she doesn't care and she deserves to be fat and we equal fat as being something bad. And there are so many people who feel like this and who have these same struggles. And what I realized was it's not actually about my body. It's this fear, this deep-rooted fear of judgment. And I have, um, I have been judged for these things in my life, no question. But this fear of dread of judgment can be so paralyzing that it just stresses us and forces us to engage in the extremes and the conclusion that i sort of came to was the problem is not my body the problem is in my head and this was another thing where I then became very scared because I thought, okay, so if I practice body acceptance now, does that mean that I'm going to? And then I fell into this same sort of fallacy that I was talking about before. Does that mean I'm going to let myself go and I'm not going to engage in any 
healthy behaviors and any health promoting behaviors because I'm going to be like well I love my body whatever and then I thought to myself Livy don't be ridiculous that's not what you're telling other people to do and that's not what you think either you love going to the gym and you love eating vegetables but you can accept that actually (laughs) if you live your whole life in fear of certain foods then that's not very helpful for anyone So, okay, we can say I've gotten to this point where I'm trying to accept my body. I'm not saying that I radically love it and I'm also not saying that, you know, it's bad to do things, to want to change things about your body. Um, I love going to the gym because it makes me feel good, but I'm not going to lie. I also love going to the gym because I love seeing my muscles grow and I love feeling strong. And I love, you know, having visible muscles. And I don't think there's anything per se wrong with this. I think the problem is when it becomes your only pursuit in life and you think that it's going to be the thing that will grant you happiness. And I had this discussion with someone the other day where I was crying and I said, I am a failure and I feel stupid and I'm not succeeding and other people are studying quicker than me. And, well but soon I will have finished my bachelor's and then I'll be content because I know that then I can do my master's and then I can do this and that and then at the end I'll be happy. And then they asked me, do you think you'll actually be happy? And I said no, because I'm never happy, because I'm never content with myself, because I always think that I could have been better. And they asked me if I could imagine a world where I had in my opinion, the perfect body and I had the perfect grades and the perfect job and the perfect relationship and the perfect house, would I be happy with myself? And I quickly came to the realisation, no, I wouldn't, because the problem is not me. The problem is not my body, the problem is not my grades. Well, the problem is me, but it's not any of these sort of external factors or things you can see from the outside problem is my brain. The problem is me never thinking that I'm good enough. And why am I sharing this so vulnerably here? It's because I know, because so many people told me that they feel much the same, that they compare themselves to other people, that they watch other people's what I eat in a day um, and try to do exactly this. And these people, you know, so they'll post what they eat, they'll begin with a body check, um, that I'll post and then I studied for a hundred hours and then I did this and that and people will try to follow these routines and then they'll still not be happy and maybe they'll fail at following these things because they're highly unrealistic and they're often disordered and they're you know still made to appeal to an audience on Instagram and then they'll feel like they've they'll feel like they've felt and this Fear and this feeling of failure is something that, as you might have noticed, uh, um, something that I've felt often in my life, um, I think we all have. And to relate it back to bodies, um, and I just talked about the what I eat in a day, I think there is just pressure that we compare ourselves and I'm not going to say oh it's the bad social media in it I'm not sure what that accent was um when I become uncomfortable I sort of do weird accents <laughs> oh dear um sorry that was a little bit all over the place I have notes here but then um as I've said in other episodes I have ADHD and um I thrive off just 
talking freely. Uh, so I have notes here and I have completely ignored my notes and then I'll suddenly read one of the words and I'll be like, oh yeah, I need to talk about this. But then when I'm talking, it sort of ties itself together more naturally, which then leads to unexpected things, which then leads to me stumbling over my words, which then leads to me doing silly accents and then over explaining. So <laughs> keep it real, keep it candid here. <laughs> what does it look like when I'm recording one of these episodes uh but anyway so i'm not saying that it's the evil social media but it is the comparison with others and it hasn't been until very recently where i've been trying really hard to let go of diet culture that i've seen how much it's everywhere and i'm going to talk about that in just a bit but um, I need to go back a few years again in order to sort of maybe tell my story about how I did realise I need to let go of diet culture because I think it makes more sense <laughs> to tell it this way. So um, we've been through the sub story. Little Livy was bullied. Uh, little Livy was fat shamed by healthcare professionals. Um Little Livy started uni and I started going to the gym and I saw my body changing and I was quite happy with these changes. I felt quite good. So um, as I think many people do, I like to think in extremes. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do a radical transformation and then I'm going to be really hot and then I'm going to get a girlfriend and then I'm going to have this really hot girlfriend and then I'm going to be happy. Well, <laughs> as you can imagine... None of these things were true. I mean, I do have a really hot girlfriend. She's amazing. But I didn't get her because I lost weight. <laughs> um, in fact, she's one of the people I know with the most incredible sort of opinions and mindsets towards food. And I am eternally grateful for her. And I'm not sure how many people will hear this episode, but um, <laughs> yeah, here you hear me gushing over my girl. But anyway, so I decided I was going to do all of these things. And obviously, you know, I thought, what's the best way to hold myself accountable? Through shame and through lying to other people online. So I did this ridiculous diet with way too few calories and I felt dreadful but I made a transformation page on Instagram and Facebook and I posted all of my transformation pics. Well, my, sorry, I posted my journey, which meant that I would stand in front of the mirror after a workout, suck in my stomach as hard as I possibly could, take a picture, and then I would post how bad I had been that day. Um, but that it was okay because I had done a workout to balance it out and I would try to shame myself for the things that I did wrong but mostly I would just say you know that it was smooth sailing and that I decided I was going to take care of my health and that I was gonna finally take care of myself and be a better person and I don't know so anyway I carried on going to the gym but I also did this ridiculous diet and I became more and more miserable and I had no energy and I hated the gym and I couldn't concentrate and I was so weak that I could no longer walk upstairs but I had this um I I had this feeling that I had to go up walk upstairs I was not allowed to use escalators or whatever so I planned my daily trips around where did I have to walk the least steps 
all while posting transformation pics. I've lost so and so many kilos, aren't I great? And then I said, and I finally managed to do it in a healthy way, in a balanced way. And so I was lying to everyone. Um, I was lying to everyone and, I don't know, saying how great I was while simultaneously shaming myself on this. And it kind of got worse and worse. Um, and I suffered more and more. And then a pandemic hit. And when the pandemic hit, I just all in all, I don't know, crumbled. Um, and then one of the best things that could have happened to me happened. And I'm not saying that this is the way to get out of disordered eating behavior. Because again, um, a partner won't change anything. A partner um, can't save you, can't do things for you. But in my story, I was lucky. Um, I connected on Tinder with someone um, and we started texting and we wanted to meet up and I thought to myself, okay, I, I need to be able to, I don't know, eat in front of this person or something because otherwise it's going to be really, really embarrassing. And that is how I got out of these incredibly sort of toxic um, patterns. But I had the problem that people had been telling me how incredible I looked and congratulating me on losing weight and telling me how much better I looked. And several people said, it's so good to see you taking care of yourself and so good to see you taking care of your health, which was something that I absolutely had not been doing. I had been neglecting my health because I just cared about aesthetics. So I'd been through this and I had lost a significant amount of weight and believe it or not, I was still not happy. And then when I met my girlfriend, um, it did get better, as in it was no longer as extreme, but I still didn't like my body at all. I felt embarrassed, I felt disgusting, I felt horrible and ugly and, you know, all of the bad things that I think lots of us feel. And, um, yeah, was all in all not particularly happy with how I looked. And I no longer wanted to do anything as extreme, but I still thought, oh, well, I'll somehow I'll manage to change my body and then I'll be happy. <laughs> Spoiler alert, as you might have noticed, there's a pattern. Every time I say I'll do something and then I'll be happy, it fails. <laughs> um, quite a good, quite a good message for life, actually. If you think I'll just do this and then I'll be happy. Often, often it's not true. Unless it's adopt a cat, because adopting cats are wonderful. <laughs> is wonderful. No, um, sorry, <laughs> off on a tangent. And, you know, there were ups and downs and I um, never ended up being particularly happy with my body. And then not that long ago, I had a conversation with my partner and I said, I feel really good in my body. I love the way my body feels. I love the way all of my different body parts feel and I love the way I feel in my clothes. The problem is when I see my body. I love what my body can do, I love what it feels like, but then when I see it in a mirror or if someone takes a picture of me, then suddenly I feel disgusting. And that was when it truly hit me that the problem was in my head and not my body itself because if I felt so good in my body and I loved the things that it could do, and I felt confident and sexy and attractive, and then suddenly I saw myself, and that was when it stopped, then that kind of showed me that the big issue was in my head. And it got me thinking about wh where does this come from? 
And I realised a lot of it was how we are socialised to think and feel about our bodies. And this was the point for me where I said I need to reject diet culture. I need to reject this pursuit of weight loss in order to find happiness. And I need to learn to trust my body. I need to learn that eating healthily and exercising is wonderful, but that it's okay to also take a break and that, you know, to not be scared of certain foods um, and, and all of these various things. And the point where I decided I'm going to reject diet culture is where I saw how often it rears its ugly teeth. And I then also realised, you know, that I had been a perpetrator in spreading diet culture by making this account where I sort of posted these claims that were completely untrue. I was doing all of the things that I'm now criticising so harshly. And why am I sharing this with you? I'm sharing it to show you that, you know, this has been my journey of growth, but also to show you how fake it all is. And that lots of these things that we see, particularly online, are probably not real, at least not fully. And I just want to talk about some of the some of the examples of diet culture. Um, so the other day I was out with some friends and lots of people ordered a Coke and I ordered a Diet Coke. Um, why, you may ask. I have ADHD, we've been through this, and simple carbs have a dreadful effect on me. They make me really hyperactive, I cannot concentrate, I am obnoxious, and simple carbs are wonderful before a workout because they give me lots of energy, and otherwise they pretty much suck for me, personally, because I they just make my symptoms a million times worse. Right, so lots of people were drinking Coke. I was drinking Diet Coke. And somehow someone took the bottle of my Coke and started looking at it and kind of passing it around. And then people started talking about it and started judging. And then I heard these things that, you know, people have said before, you know how bad diet drinks are for you and they make you just as fat as the real thing. None of this is true. There is research that um, diet drinks, um, you know, there's lots of research about artificial sweeteners. Uh, there is no research that says it will kill you, you will die. And also there have been experiments, you know, based on the claims that it makes you fat because it increases your appetite or decreases your liver's response and all of these claims and theories that have been made you know everything's been debunked but anyway um and here I suddenly saw so everyone was you know having this conversation about my coke where I thought just give it back I want to bloody drink it this is what I want to be doing please just give it back to me and most of this conversation, you know, that had nothing to do per se with food, somehow, because we were having a meal, it kept going back to food. And it was just often small comments like, oh, I could never eat a whole pizza myself. Imagine people who can eat a whole pizza. And I thought to myself, well, I can eat a whole pizza. And then I started thinking, oh, am I a greedy little piggy wig because I can eat a whole pizza? And then you could see there are lots of people, people that I had seen eat a whole pizza before, suddenly going, oh, yes, I, I could not, I couldn't do this. 
Um, I, I could never. And people looked uncomfortable as they agreed, and I could sort of see other people thinking, I'm, I'm lying, but I must lie, because otherwise, what will people think of me? Um, or other smaller comments, like uh, just saying things like, I don't know, I need to do this workout so that I earn the Christmas biscuits, or I need to earn this ice cream. Um, all these sort of small things, all of the comments that we make on food and other people's bodies and things that I used to do, you know, I always used to judge other people's bodies because it was something that we've been raised and sort of trained to do. And I'm not saying that now suddenly I've completely done a 360 and I no longer have these thoughts. But you say the thing that you think first is what you've been trained to think <coughs> and what you think second is who you really are. And I catch myself, you know, judging other people's bodies and then I think, bloody hell, Livy, it's not your... A, it's not your place to judge and B, why do you even care? Leave this person alone, even if you would never say something to them. And I'm just trying really, really hard to, like, actively... Um, actively uh, challenge these thoughts that I have about other people and you know in the long run I hope that it will also help me challenge what I think about myself but for me the biggest thing was realizing that okay um, the problem is in my head rather than my body but realizing this alone you know it hasn't been enough to overcome the challenges that we have by diet culture and I want to state this here very clearly maybe I should have said it more at the beginning I am just talking about my personal journey here and I'm talking about my journey with diet culture I'm not talking about eating disorders I'm not saying that you can heal from an eating disorder by doing any of these things please don't take me like I'm not I am in no way a professional, I'm just talking about my own personal experience and I don't want anyone to misinterpret this as any sort of professional um, help or um, <laughs> instructions how to do anything. And I also, you know, I really want to be vulnerable here and I don't want people to think that I've said okay this is the problem and now this is how I'm going to fix it. I wish I could make an instruction manual for all of you how we can no longer <laughs> be affected by diet culture but unfortunately um, I don't think it's something that I can do. But as I was saying um, just this realization alone uh, was it was a really big step but it didn't do anything to change how I thought about myself. But what I am doing now is talking about these things more openly and challenging myself to do the really, really hard things. I'm challenging myself to eat foods in front of other people that they, where I am worried that they might judge me for doing so. Sorry, my sister has just arrived at my house and I didn't even realise. Um, <laughs> oh dear, I am a bad sister. I am here podcasting while she um, while she chills in my living room. 
you seem to get quite a lot of my personal life here, apart from the story that I was trying to tell. So <laughs> I hope you're enjoying the random interludes into my life. Uh, but yes, um, I'm challenging myself to eat these foods in front of other people and also, you know, to be open and say things here like, look, I have these struggles and after I posted a story saying that I have these struggles, so many people replied to me and said, I also have these struggles. And I guess that's the one thing that I just really hope that I can achieve is that maybe we can all be more open, that we can all be more candid about these these things. Because we're all so scared of being perceived as lazy and as letting ourselves go and not, I don't know, not doing what we think society wants us to do. Um, particularly if we don't inhabit a body that is seen as the societal norm. So I'm challenging it and uh, taking it one day at a time. And I'm, you know, trying to challenge myself to actively <coughs> eat foods that scare me. Because if you do that and if you challenge these thoughts, then they no longer have as much precedence over you and they don't hold this power that they that they do and here at the end of this episode I'm catching myself think oh no people will now think that I no longer engage in health promoting behavior and at the beginning I say that all of these things are problematic um or that all of these things are healthy for us actually and that we should engage in these ways for our health and now here I'm talking about doing the exact opposite and I catch myself you know having these thoughts and being scared of these judgments and thinking should I even you know post this episode and that's why I feel like it's really really important to do so because um we need people who are brave enough or should we say in my case I don't know stupid enough to do so to post them to talk about these things to open dialogue and just try and be more candid and more open about these fears thank you very much for listening and I hope everyone has a great day <laughs>